Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Thank you. Next! <laughs> okay. First things first, your exes should be blocked. You know, acknowledging the good things and moving on. We're not about bad vibes here. Are you relationship experts? No. no. <laughs> My pants were wet. <laughs> It ain't even about BDE anymore. It's about thank you, next energy, yeah? Hello, you are listening to Thank You Next. The podcast that's all about turning your relationship losses into wins. I'm Raj. And I'm Hardeep. You might be thinking, how the fuck do you turn a loss into a win? Well, you got to cut it up into smaller pieces, inspect it. Take it all in, absorb it, embrace that shit, and then turn it into a lesson. That sounds really scientific and very... uh... It's not that scientific, but I think it's just that thing of... You have to be ready to admit the loss that you've taken. You have to be ready to admit that ill. And when we say relationships, we're not just talking about the ones that slide in your DMs strategically on Valentine's Day or around your birthday or around New Year's. Not them people. We're talking about all the relationships that have shaped who you are, like your friends, your family, your colleagues. The man who served me a chocolate bun with pistachio on it yesterday. Oh, yeah. Well, today we're joined by two writers who have both contributed to a new book that's out this March called Who's Loving You, which is an anthology full of love stories by women of colour. Our guests today are Sarita Domingo and Kalechi Okafor. Sarita is an author, editor, blogger, and reviewer. She's a god that does it all, honey. Literally. These two are the queens of doing it all. Literally. She describes herself as a hopeful but realistic romantic from Southeast London. I think I am a bit hopeful, but also too realistic. What about you? Uh, what, what is a realistic romantic? When you don't get too carried away. Then uh, how are you romantic? The carried awayness makes it romantic, no? Mm, maybe. Also, Sarita has written some erotic short stories. And yeah, I'm not going to lie. When I when I heard about this, I was interested. I wanted to read some to get some juices flowing, you know, in my otherwise very dry, dusty old flaps. That's disgusting. <laughs> That's actually nasty, bruv. After we finish chatting to her today, I'm going to ask her for where to go to get these stories because... She's done some stuff for Agent Provocateur, I think it is. I think that's correct. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Mm. I love their perfume. One of my favourites. I got it, actually, soon after a breakup because I was like, bitch, you're going to smell me. You're going to want me back. So Agent Provocateur. Sorry, sorry. They got bought out by Sports Direct, didn't it? What? <laughs> so, like, it basically, you can buy Agent Provocateur super cheap now. That's insane. I might have to do that. Get some new lingerie. Oh, yeah, honey. You know, in these times now, though, I don't even want to wear like a white bra. I don't want to wear anything. I just wear like fake bras. Well, I need some more of them. Yeah, fake bra, like Calvin Kleiny sort of bras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I want some more of them because this is just not doing it, honey. I'm wearing a real bra today just because I felt like we've got people who have written books, like they're a bit official. We need to act a bit serious. So I was like, let me wear a proper bra. I'm wearing a real one as well, yeah. Unfortunately. Is it because we've got writers on the podcast? Yeah, and I want them to take me seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so we've also got Kalechi, who is a writer. She's an actress, mate. Director, public speaker. And this girl owns a pole studio. And doesn't she kill it on Twitter? Doesn't don't her tweets just go viral? She's always killing it. I literally can't believe these guys and us two. Oh, you're putting us into the list too. We we are literally like the kings of doing it all. Yeah, we do do it all. And what? And if you're listening, which obviously you are, because you're listening to us and that's how you're hearing what we're saying, we want to know what you want to say thank you next to. So email us at hi thank you next podcast at gmail.com and follow us on socials for extra content. We are at thank you next pod. If you want to see some historic conversations with me and some dude I met on the rooftop and Raj's merch collection from when she was a massive Twilight fan, that's where you need to go. Thank you. 
the shit that went down this week. We found Erica, Erica, the pizza delivering actress. By the way, we've got a few pizza deliveries who are our friends now. What's going on? I don't know, but I think we need to get discount on pizza. Which one does Erica work at? Yeah, I don't know. Erica hasn't specified where she works. We'll find out. And Erica left us a really nice review. So we're sending her a couple of things, ain't we? Someone has actually contacted us saying that they would like to contribute to our listener gift packs. And it's from a makeup brand. I won't say who just yet. Guys, we're just waiting for those deliveries to come through and then we'll be putting them out in the post to y'all. But this just goes to show, yeah, you leave us a nice review. You make us smile. <laughs> And, you know, we'll reward you too because you're helping us out. You're helping other people find us and making people think that we're good. So thank you for doing that. But it's also just because we want you to share your stories with us. And you know what? We're, we're here for you. That's that's it. We just want to say we're here for you. It's cool. Oh, yeah. And we're here for you. Yeah, yeah. No, obviously we are. That's what this whole thing is about. So I heard that your friend discovered her love language. Yes. So my friend Jemima, she watched our video with Tony Turn when Tony was explaining what love languages are. And she messaged back and she's like, I've literally just discovered my love language and won't stop talking about it. What weird timing that you're doing this. It honestly has really opened my eyes. And then I asked her, obviously, what is her love language? And she said, mine is words of affirmation. I need to be complimented constantly. And this is so funny because I feel like I try and tell her a lot. I didn't know that that was her love language, but I'm glad that she's said it. I had a friend yesterday that kept saying her partner wasn't doing the right things for her. And we just said, oh, like, have you spoke to him about love languages and stuff? And it helps people, in it? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, you know, what can you do if your love language is quality time, but the guy doesn't want to spend time with you? Yeah, I mean, that hurt me when it happened to me. But the relationships that you want to take a lot of joy in, like your partner, your love language should probably align. As long as they're aware of it and you're aware of theirs, then you guys can work towards creating a love language that merges both in your relationship. I find the love languages, I use them more when there are people in my life that I want to make it work, but they're not necessarily my romantic partner. If they were my romantic partner, it'd be harder to make it work. The same amount of effort you put into your friendship, surely you'd put that into your relationship. I'm not saying friendships and everything has to be seamless, but say like family, I would understand that maybe I need to be a bit more tolerable of other people's love languages. But I feel like when it comes to a relationship, why do I need to be when I can just bounce? You know, <laughs> I can just leave. Because I'm not in love, obviously. I feel like I control. I can control who I love. I'm saying this, but I'm sure I'm going to eat my words. I'm sure I will. You're so funny. It's true, though. Like, why would you? Why would no, you? No, it's, it's not. It's not. That's sort of you expecting that that person has to be exactly like you, have the same needs as you. How boring would that be? That's actually quite dead. No, it's not that. If I like quality time, I would want to be with someone who likes quality time. But what if they don't, but you still like them? Like, it's not the end of the world. They'll learn to understand that you like quality time and you'll learn to understand, okay, they might want a compliment here and there. Maybe. I want it to be a bit easier. If their love language is, say, words of affirmation and yours is quality time, it doesn't... But what if it's not? What if it's, if someone likes giving me presents? Oh, they like presents. That's so off my rate. That's so on down on the agenda for me. You always find a way to make it work. Like, for example, you go to the corner shop and you bring them back a chocolate. They'll be happy with that. I think you turn it into this thing where you're thinking, oh, they want Armani aftershave or like they want limited edition fucking Jordans. But it's just something to show that you're thinking of them they, that they probably want. And they'd probably be happy with like coconut oil when you go to the shop. Do you know what I mean? Here's some coconut oil for your fried eggs in the morning. There you go. I think I've dealt with someone before whose first main love language wasn't um, quality time. And we made that work for a long time. And I met someone on our love language was quality time. We couldn't make it work for over like two months. So... Yeah, but at the same time, I don't know. I want someone who likes quality time. I'm sure they will like it, but it might it might not necessarily be their love language. They might have a different love language. That's all right. Mate, because I'm not attached to anyone. I'm just don't... I, why compromise? Look, I don't really believe in compromising like fully, but I do... I believe in meeting in the middle. Yeah, and I'll do that with you because I work with you, but why would I do it with a romantic partner that... I actually think there's a difference between compromise and meeting someone in the middle because I think meeting someone in the middle is normal and I think compromising to me what that means is going beyond the middle going to the other side crossing that line a bit that's where I'm like no 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 I wouldn't do that if there's a meeting in the a meeting in the middle it sounds good 
compromise. Com- I don't want to compromise too much. I think there is difference between meeting in the middle and compromise. I'm sure everyone will disagree with me. If you do, like, that's fair enough. Or it could be, say, if two people took a compromise, that could be meeting in the middle. Like, you took one compromise, they took another compromise, and then there you meet in the middle. Yeah, yeah. I just, my interpretation of compromise is that you're making me do something that I really don't want to do. But meeting you in the middle is me understanding, okay, you don't want me to message you after 10 p.m., so I'll message you goodnight before 10 p.m. Do you get it? Compromise meaning an agreement or settlement of a dispute that is reached by each side making concessions. So each side make concessions. Yeah, but that's coming from the mindset that you're making a concession. Me saying, oh, I'll message you goodnight before 10 p.m. isn't making a concession. It's an adjustment. Bang. I still want a partner who wants quality time, number one. Yeah, like, mate, it would be just nice to have someone that fucking messages me back, but yeah. Wait, it would just nice to have any... Any... No, actually, no, 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 you know, yeah. No, 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 no. Raj, you were telling me you wanted to talk about FKA Twigs? Yeah, so FKA Twigs has done a couple of interviews where she's been really open about her experience with Shia LaBeouf. I put it up on my Insta stories and I was just like, every woman should read this article. And I was referring to the L interview that she did, which is what I read. And it's really detailed. And I think she just articulates what it's like to be in an abusive relationship. And she kind of lets you know that it's insidious. It's something that isn't there from the outright. Like you can't see that this relationship is going to be abusive or this person is going to be abusive. And it's something that is just something that slowly creeps up on you. But there are signs. And one of the first signs that she mentions is his love bombing her, which I just thought was really interesting because being in a previous relationship, which was kind of mentally abusive, I do remember the love bombing and I should have really had bells ringing in my ears about the love bombing, but I didn't because I romanticized it all and I went with the romantic element of it all. When you say love bombing, like what kind of things? Um, so it's little, little things. It could be like someone showering you with gifts, showering you with compliments, showering you with I love yous before I love yous should be said. So just moving very, very fast, escalating, being extra. And for her specifically, she was talking about he used to send her bouquets to her house of roses. Like, I think it was every hour or something like that. Oh, wow. She kind of says that with perspective, she looks back at it and it makes her uneasy and it might have even made her uneasy then, but she just chose to not go with that feeling and she chose to just be flattered by it I guess it's really interesting because you know I was having conversations about abuse and stuff with my mates recently and they were kind of like oh but you know people get into these relationships when they're young when they're teens or when they're in their 20s you're more likely to be in an abusive relationship and I have to disagree with that it can happen at any time of your life you could be 40 and get into a relationship like that it's just you might not be that self-aware you might have had really good relationships previously So you don't look for these red flags or signs or whatever. And someone comes along. It was really interesting because FK Twigs used this analogy that me and my mates always use about things that have happened to us in relationships. And it's that if a frog was to jump into a boiling pot of water, it would jump back out because it would feel how hot the water is. Yeah. But if the frog is sitting in the pan while it's on the boil and the water is slowly, slowly going from cold to boiling hot, the frog's just going to die in there. And... That is what it's like being in an abusive relationship because it's not its not going to be always abusive. There will be moments where you think, this is great, like we're going to work it out, we're going to get past this. And Yeah, you said in between the bad, there was like nice and then you forget, don't you? The nice hardeep was extra nice. It was, it was things that I would never imagine a guy would do for me or, you know might do for me in the future and in all honesty like I I don't need that shit in the future I just need someone to be normal and so you think oh my god like this person's so in love with me like maybe there's something wrong with me and that makes you internalize that shit more like and that is kind of the narrative that they're pushing that there's something wrong with you like you're imagining all of this stuff that you're trying to say is happening to you and they gaslight you and I mean her scenario was wild like he slept with a gun next to the bed and he would like point it at her and she was scared to pee at night because she thought that if she had gone to pee at night and he woke up and thought it was an intruder, he would shoot her. There are different levels of abuse and she obviously experienced it at a very life-threatening stage. And 
I just think it's really important for people to just be a bit more aware of these sort of things and aware of the different types of abuse that exist. It's not always physical. It's not always threatening in that way. Sometimes it's it's emotional. Sometimes it's a mental thing. It is very brave of her to go and write the article and stuff. I'm definitely going to check it out. It's important for everyone to kind of just be across this stuff because I think it's really naive and sad to think that this, this sort of stuff only happens if you're young and naive and you don't know anything about life. This can happen to you at any time. And the only way you're going to be protected from it is if you kind of are aware of what's gone down already. Did she say a quote something like people think it's people who are stupid or people who are weak? It makes you weak or those are the kind of people this happens to. That is the vibe that I got from my conversation with my mates as well. It was like that you're assuming that it happens to people who are young and stupid, right? But it's no, it doesn't. Obviously doesn't. If you look at FKA Twigs like and just remove all of this information like She's different to any other black artist out there. She's very unique. So you'd think that person like comes with a lot of confidence, a lot of this, a lot of that. Yeah, she's a performer. You know, th- this person has gotten into her life and made her feel like she can't get out of a really shit situation. And this is a woman who oozes confidence otherwise. So I'm just kind of like, yeah, like it can happen to anybody. And I think that is what this story shows. And I just think that it's just important to know about it and read up on it and just educate yourselves about it. And that's it. And I'm going to try my best to stop bringing serious shit to the podcast. But lately, every week, that's just what I see. I can't help it. I can't help it, man. In other news, new lockdown rules have been announced. Oh, wow. There you go, Raj. There you go. There you go. There you go. Thank you. Next. You already know that Sarita Domingo and Kalechi Okafor are joining us on this episode. Let's find out what they are saying thank you next to. Thank you guys for joining us today and congratulations on your new book, Who's Loving You. Thank you. It is out on the 4th of March, right? It is 4th of March pub date. So me and Raj were reading it and honestly, last night I was sitting there for two hours hooked I could not move. I was just lying there. My window was like, my <laughs> blind was half open and it was a bit creepy because I got some like black mirror vibes in the in the first three stories and I honestly couldn't move. My washing machine was going off and I was like, no, don't leave. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is a romantic collection. I don't want people to get the wrong impression. <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can see, I can see how that could be uh, the case. Can you tell us about why you wanted to create this piece of work? Basically, I've been writing what has been sort of categorised as romance for a few years now, but I kind of felt a bit out on my own in terms of like pursuing romantic narratives. So I wanted to put a collection together that was just all romantic stories written by British women of colour, particularly British, because. You know, there's a lot of American books out there that are written by like black authors and other authors of colour, but it didn't feel like there was much that was, you know, from the UK. So I just wanted to um, approach people, see if I could, you know, put this collection together and um, it all worked out. Yeah. And you said in the book that you didn't see yourself represented on screen exactly as a black British woman that you saw. Yeah. The first time you saw yourself represented, it was a black American woman in an American movie. So I wanted to know what was the film? It was Love Jones. Well, at least that was the first one that I like really connected with, with uh, Nia Long and Lorenz Tate. And they're both creatives. Like he's a quite unconvincing author and she's like a photographer or something. You know, they're going to poetry nights and all that kind of thing. And obviously it's a romance. And that was like a really key film for me. I was like, oh, Finally, this is the kind of representation I want. But as I say, it was American, not British. Yeah. Kalechi, what about you? What was your first time that you felt represented on screen? I don't think I have been yet. So I'm still waiting for it. But I feel like it's kind of like what Toni Morrison says about if there's a book that you want to read that hasn't been written yet, then you need to write it. I think it's the same with seeing that sort of representation on screen. I'm yet to see it. I think that there are some brilliant things, brilliant films that have been made. But every time I'm watching them, I'm just like, "Mm, that's not quite me, because there are still rules and regulations in place as to who is deserving of love, especially if they're trying to represent black women. So I'm I'm still waiting. So maybe it's something that I'll end up writing. It's really interesting that you say that, because I was reading this interview with Issa Rae the other day, and she was saying that there's so many love stories that she wants to tell specifically about black people, but 
she's sort of bound by these rules and there's things that she just can't tell. What is it? What are the rules? I think that there are are so many people out there and Sarita's a testament to that, who they're out here writing some incredible stories, incredible love stories. Then you get to the stage where it's going to be picked up by a TV executive or a film executive and they're suddenly like, I just don't believe it. What don't you believe? That they're not light skinned, that they're not slim, that they are not. What What aren't you believing? You know, because these people exist. They're not unicorns. So I think that that's usually what it is. Like you have the story to tell, but it's whether other people are going to afford you the space to tell it. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen an article written about an author who said she got volumes of letters from people. She's a black author from white readers saying, oh, I didn't realise that black people had the same sort of relationships that we do or that they, you know, like this is the first time I've seen anything like this depicted. And that is mind blowing. Like, what do you think we are? You know, so it's just mad. Yeah. I guess it's just the way it is. I was having this conversation with my housemate about Bridgerton and he was saying that it's unrealistic. And I was like, it's okay. It's unrealistic of the fact that, you know, everything wasn't so mixed and class and colour and everything. But it is realistic on the fact that just, okay, let's just forget the colour of their skin for a second. All the stories are also realistic. It doesn't matter who is in them. That is an interesting term, realistic, because obviously romantic fiction to a large degree is a fantasy. I mean, it's not always necessarily a realistic depiction of what love truly is in the real world. So it's interesting when people pick up on things like Bridgerton. It's like, well, that's not realistic. It's like, well... Neither is whatever her her fringe wasn't realistic to me. Yikes. Um, (laughs) You know, like so many things aren't realistic about depictions of romance. It's an escape. It's a fantasy. It's so funny with Bridgerton because I think people get it twisted and they think it's a period drama, but it's not. Yeah, exactly. They actually explain it in the show as well, which is like when people try and have these conversations, I'm like, did you not pay attention? Because they say it's Regency era. The king fell in love with a black woman. And that was how the black community came into prominence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do explain it. They do. And in a way, it was a shame they felt they needed to explain it. From my perspective, it was a bit like... "Mm." I guess they knew and people were going to be like, eh, that's not real. This is it. You can't please everybody, (laughs) basically. It's true. There was this forward that you wrote. I don't know what you call it. Is it a dedication at the beginning of a book when you say for this person? This is for this person. It's a dedication. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. You wrote, for my husband, he's the answer to the question. What is the question? The question is who's (laughs) loving you? He is, I guess. Oh. (laughs) Title of the book, Who's Loving You? Oh, okay. I was like, what is a secret question, y'all? But okay, it's not a secret. Now I'm paranoid no one's going to understand what that means. I definitely did not understand that. We might be thick, though. Like, I haven't read a book in a while. (laughs) One thing that we did notice in your story, uh, Saria, Mm -hmm. is that you talk pretty much about love at first sight. And Raj was laughing. She picked this up and she was like, Hardy, you don't believe in that. So have you experienced that? Not in the way that it might be perceived. I think you kind of know when you meet someone that you're like, this is a person I could spend time with or be interested in long term. But no, it was. it's never been like lightning bolts and fireworks and all of that. Has anyone here had love at first sight? Yeah, to food. Like you, I feel like you see something and you think, oh, yeah. I have with the guy at school, like, you know, like your first crush, like that first crush I had, like, it was like instant. I was just like, oh my God, I want you. Oh yeah, you have that when you fall in love with like people on the tube and that, but that's just (laughs) fleeting. (laughs) Yeah, but that could have been my love story, right? It just wasn't. I mean, it could, if you approach that person on the tube, they could be the one, you never know. So true. (sighs) Approaching people is hard. It's very nerve wracking. I can count on one hand the number of times I've done that. But um, how do you feel writing about love at first sight? Because a lot of people now, I feel like everyone's kind of very cynical and they're like, oh, it's a red flag, man. Like if someone's, if someone likes you this much and blah, blah, blah. Hardy Paul says that. Like how did Bella and Edward fall in love like that? Like in Twilight. We just did a Twilight episode last week. I find it disgusting. Yeah, she does. <laughs> but I think it, it is, um, particularly for a short story, it's a useful way of like getting to the point <laughs> if it's a romantic story. I think it's just, it's more about the spark between two people. So like making it an instant connection and then that gives you a jumping off point to explore. And in my story in the collection, it's kind of two people who meet in quite extreme circumstances. But I do quite like writing stories where people are sort of, they meet, then they're apart for a long period of time and then they have a 
a moment they reconnect and they can explore those feelings they've been fantasizing about in their head. You definitely gave them a very original meet cute. Like. <laughs> it's not that cute. She is a refugee. I know, where was the cute? It was just like, okay. But, <laughs> yeah. but you know. It was very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can happen. It can happen, right? I mean, unless Preeti Patel's involved, Ooh, then it well, won't. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so Kalechi, your story, The Watchers, that was the first one I read and I was just like, oh my God, I love it. There was so much going on in it mm. that relates to the world we're in now. So when did you write this? It must have been very recent. Yeah, Sarita reached out during lockdown and then I just wrote it. Lockdown one. Yeah, lockdown 1.0. I was sitting there just thinking, wow, the world is so wild. And then Sarita said, hey girl, do you want to... Do you want to write something for this? And I thought, thank you for trusting that I could write fiction, you know, because I think because of my social commentary and the way that I present online or how people perceive me online, I think they think I'm very, very serious all of the time. So I think it was, it's monumental to me that another Black woman saw me and she was like, "Mm, no, she's capable of more. And so I write fiction like in my spare time as a hobby, but I'd never written anything that was ever going to put out. So when Sarita came forward and was just like, why don't you write this? I thought this is the challenge I need during lockdown rather than insulting the government up and down. Let me go and put my energy towards writing something that's um, romantic. But elements of what I care about are always going to come through. It's amazing that you did that. It's crazy as well that you had that foresight about the pandemic, knowing that it's going to last a lot longer than this one lockdown and that how people date is going to change and they're going to be in these pods and there's going to be Beyonce concerts online. Um, Yeah, it is very Black Mirror, isn't it? Yeah, like Charlie Brooker does need to work with me, but, you know, eventually I think he'll see the light. We see it. We see it, okay. (laughs) Like, I have that. Like, that's my thing. I love the esoteric. I I love the metaphysical. I love the occult. And I reconcile all of that with my sort of Christianity and whatever, or, you know, how I was brought up within Christianity. And I just merge everything because I think that there's power in doing that. So I love a bit of astrology. (laughs) I love it all. I I love tarot. I love it all. And that was a way of me being able to bring forward the things that I think are worth holding on to in this life. Again, Toni Morrison says that one of the biggest dangers that's ever been given to us as a society is romance, the idea of romance. So what about taking romance as Sarita allowed us to do by inviting us all to write in Who's Loving You? You could take the idea of romance and expand it to something that isn't colonial and isn't focused on whiteness, doesn't centre whiteness. And suddenly you have like literally a whole new world. No Aladdin. It was really refreshing just to read about their first day and that was at a slavery museum and just the banter between them. It was actually, I was invested immediately. It was really cute. But yeah, I loved how you mixed that whole, that Black Mirror-ness and then all of this stuff about souls and twin flames. Which is interesting because Raj mentioned this to me the other week. She goes, Hardy, do you believe in this? And I think I think my first answer was no, because I, well, I know somebody who was talking about it and the way they were talking about it was just like, it was just bullshit to me. I was just like, shut up, mate. I had no patience for it. Mm-hmm. But then when Raj mentioned it, she was like, do you believe in it? And we started Googling it a little bit. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure. Everyone has a different idea of what a twin flame is. The one that we read the other day, it was like, it's someone that comes into your life. It feels like an instant connection. It feels like a connection that's always been there. And you're like pulled towards each other. You guys want to be together, but you just won't be able to make it work. But they're there to push your life into a new direction. Well, I'm on TikTok, right? And I get tarot TikToks like every night. And they're like, your twin flame is coming to you. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> There's tarot TikTok. I did not. I was not aware. It's mad. She gets these videos. It's like, if you see this video, this video is meant for you. And I'm like, Raj, it's the algorithm. And she's like, no, it was meant for me. <laughs> but it's my algorithm. It's personalized for me. And it's weird. Like the readings are so spot on. Are they generic too? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I did an oracle reading about me and Hardy the other day. We're taking a week off next week. And we've been doing this podcast for like 12 weeks. So we were like, let's take a week off. And I was a bit unsure about it. So I asked the Oracle last night and the Oracle was like, take a break. Literally the card I pulled was take a break. Isn't that weird? I'm not this skeptical, by the way. I used to have CoStar the app and like look at this stuff every day and, you know, think about things a lot. But I think at that time I was quite lost. So I used this stuff to try and guide me, which is not a bad thing. It's good, I guess. Not at all. I think it's it's great. I mean, I don't Ooh. know Ooh. Um, a great deal about tarot, but from what I've experienced, I think it is just 
a jumping off point. I don't know, Kalechi, you know way more about it than I do. Kalechi, tell us everything you know, man. And tell us about twin flames and your understanding of what a twin flame is. I think that what I always keep in mind as with anything that we interact with in this society is that eventually it becomes commodified and so people will co-opt it in order to sell you things so like you say you'll keep seeing these things like your love is trying to find you your love is trying to find you because ultimately the quest that everybody is on really is to be loved by another whether they admit that to themselves or not there is the love of self but there's also the yearning for another so these people and organizations tap into that that yearning and they'll keep selling it back to you over and over again and people do that with tarot as well because they know that there is a space for people who just want to hear that one day they will be loved exactly as they are so i think that wherever that yearning is still present there'll always be people who uh, monetize it and capitalize off it i'm very very big on going on the journey by yourself. I think that that's the true hero's journey. You have to take every tool that you've seen, kind of push away anybody else's interpretation of it and go with it. And that was what I felt with Twin Flames. I just felt like I kind of see these conversations where people talk about soulmates. Not every soulmate you're meant to be with, you know, and you have more than one soulmate because it would really be insulting to divinity to believe that your one soul was created and there's only one person who can connect with it. Soulmates are your friends, soulmates are your families. And then you have the soulmates, I guess, that you want to be intimate with. So I just think it's great to have that. And when it comes to twin flames, they might come in many forms, but ultimately they're there to remind you that you've got a greater task here than just like just sitting staring at the wall. That was profound. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> did, did you just click there? <laughs> I like that. Yes. yes. Let's do some clicking. <laughs> Thank you, next. So ladies, before we get on to the main lessons, we always start with a little warm up. So it's just a little something that you're saying thank you next to this week. Who would like to go first? Well, since we've kind of been talking about it a bit, I might as well go first. Because my thank you next is to, it's not to horoscopes per se, but it's to people who prejudge you based on your star sign. Because I don't see how that's any worse. I don't see how that's any better than prejudging people based on any other aspect that a person can't control. I mean, it's been bothering me for like a year and a half, but I was doing like quite a high pressure thing with somebody. And the first thing they said to me was, what's your star sign? Like right before we started doing this thing. And I told them, and I feel like that just made it all a bit off. They were a bit off with me. What is your star sign? See, I want you to guess. Oh, oh shit, Kalechi's guessing. I'm not guessing. Because <laughs> I, I want to see if it's like, oh, this is like a typical blah thing for someone to say. So I'm intrigued. I don't, I can't say based on. No. Yeah, and you know what? The thing is, like, I fully understand now that star signs are quite complicated and you have 12 houses ruled by 12 planets. So looking at my own star sign, like I think my son is ruled by Taurus, something else is ruled by Taurus, something else is Scorpio, something else is Pisces. So you're going to be a mix of all of those planets. So I, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really agree with that. I'm sure that person has a deep knowledge and understanding of horoscopes, but I don't think they do because it's really, you, you couldn't judge. It's like saying to somebody like, what car do you drive? And then they go, oh, I drive a Mercedes Benz, but you don't know what model it is. You don't know what year it's from. You don't know anything other than the make. So that's what I think is interesting because like Raj said, we've got like 12 houses. We're made up of more than just our sun sign and people with a limited understanding of astrology just talk about sun signs. I'm a Libra, but I bet if I were to ask somebody what sun sign do you think I am? Libra is probably the last thing they would say because I'm actually an Aries rising, which is how I show up in the world. So very fiery. But then again, you meet Aries, you know, and people who are Aries sun that don't present that way, but you have to know what their rising is. So each house has a function and all of us have all 12 houses. So we have all 12 signs, but how the signs show up in our life differs. And that's what makes us all so interesting. I've got so many placements in Scorpio. So when people are like, oh, you're so like, spiky that's my scorpio coming through and i'm um, really loving the underworld i love the underworld i love kind of delving into things that people find really uncomfortable or scary if i told you all of that you wouldn't go oh that's a libra so whoever that was they need to shush i'm a star sign that people seem to take against <laughs> so i don't know if that narrows it down for you what a gemini i'm a gemini i'm a gemini <laughs> why, why do people why do people have issue with gemini 
And uh, other than I am a twin, I have a twin brother. Oh my god! But other than that, so I don't know anything about it. I don't. Everyone just like, oh, Gemini. I'm like, oh. I think Gemini's have a bad rep because people make it out like, well, Boris Johnson's a Gemini, but people make it um, out oh, like, right. <laughs> no, people make it out like um, Gemini's are this and that because of the twin element. So they think about it as being two faced, and so whenever they talk about Gemini, they talk about that forgetting that Gemini is literally that showing you that there are always two sides to more than two sides. In fact, there are multiple facets to anything that you're looking at. And also Geminis are incredibly gifted at communicating when it comes to written or when it comes to verbal, they are very good at communicating. People don't see that because they kind of focus on Oh, well, they said this about Geminis. They say Libras are indecisive. That's not necessarily true. I do have a stereotype about Libra men specifically. Trash, yeah, I'll go on. (laughs) (laughs) I've known three who've been quite difficult and they're all very different, obviously, but there's like an underlying couple of things. I don't know whether it's coincidence or no. Or is it patriarchy? Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It could literally be anything, couldn't it? Oh my god. Um so how was your working relationship with this person after that? It was fine. I got through it, but I that did throw me and I did feel like that was coloring our interaction, put it that way. That's wild. That's why I was like, ew, you a Gemini. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. It's literally the first thing they said to me. That is actually wild. Almost like, hi, what's your star sign? <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh my god, that's wild. That's absolutely mad. Okay, so just to recap, so what are you saying thank you next to? Horoscopes. Is that too too specific? <laughs> too broad, rather. That's absolutely fine. We know what you're talking about. No, what about you, Kalechi? What about you? Four more endings, yeah. I'm tired. Can I just not say bye? Why do I have to end every email with very best wishes, kind regards? And the thing is, people have so many insinuations now and connotations with how you end something. Like if you end it with simply like regards that I've basically told you to piss off forever in every lifetime. Or, you know, you just can't end something with like, cool. You say everything you want to say, then you say peace. Like that's not enough. Like you've got to really share your wishes. And I'd prefer to just be like, okay, bye. What's your signature style? What do you say? I copy all of the people who message me like now. So I noticed that like my literary agent, she always says, very best wishes, Kalechi. That's my Irish <laughs> accent. So I say very best wishes as well. So you just match what you get. Mirror given. them, yeah. I match the energy. And if someone says, cool, I'll say cool. Or if they say nothing, I just say nothing. I love it. I love when people say nothing and just end the email there. <laughs> I do quite enjoy the shade of like a best comma and then my name. <laughs> is that bad? Is best bad? Best, best. is bad. It's bad in my head. It's funny. In my head, best is F U. <laughs> Definitely. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Nah, F U. Is... I only say best if, yeah. No. I think Kyder and Gaza is quite nice. I mean, that's my go to. <laughs> I always put kisses on the end of everything I send, even if it's someone that I've just met on email. I'll be like, yeah, okay, bye. Kiss, kiss, kiss. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> I do kisses when I feel like I have to show them I'm nice. Yeah, oh. yeah. Same. <laughs> I use exclamation marks for that. And even that tires me out. Like I'm so aware that I'm so direct in how I write things that I write everything I want to say. Then I go back and add exclamation marks and thank yous in places. Because I'm like, if I don't put this, I just know they're going to read it like, she's not a very warm person. And I just want to live in a world where I don't have to do that. And I just say what I want to say and I can go about my day. We feel you. We feel you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And if you have a specific email sign off, let us know. Get in touch with us at Thank You Next Pod on socials or email us hi thank you next podcast at gmail.com. Thank you next. So we're gonna get into your first lesson, and this one is Sarita's. So one taught me. Friendships are just like romantic relationships. Tell us everything. Well, I just remember when I was 
younger I mean not that not even that much younger but um one sort of very close friendship that I had and had had for maybe a decade started changing quite a lot like I felt like she was changing a lot it just wasn't the same and it felt like quite a wrench like a big almost like a breakup and it just felt like well you shouldn't feel that way it's only a friend like it's not that deep or or it is that deep but it's not not to the same level of like a romantic relationship breakup but actually processing it like I would a breakup really did help so I think it's just learning that all relationships are important in that way and that if it's significant it doesn't matter whether it was romantic or not you know if it was platonic that's still important to process. How did you deal with this break up then? Well, <laughs> like I would be in bed sort of despondent, staring at the ceiling and like, why is why is she behaving like this? Why is she not there for me anymore? All that kind of thing. But I think once I came to terms with like, you know, people change, people evolve. You've probably changed, you know, speaking to myself, you've probably changed too. I mean, she was wild. She was going mental, but that's another story. Yeah, I think once I came to terms with that and was like, she's doing her, she's on her path, I'm on mine it was easier to reconcile and, you know, like we're back to being friends. It's not the same, but um, yeah, I think that's how I processed it. Were you guys going through like a transition? I don't know of like, I don't know, school, college or something. Yeah. I mean, not really in that sense, but um, I guess I was more like settling down and she was more wilding out and yeah, we were on diverging paths. Yeah. Kalechi, what about you? Have you had any friendships that have been like relationships? Yeah, um, definitely. I remember one when I just finished uni, that one was pretty tough. Like she was one of my really, really, really good friends. We partied together a lot, everything. And then it just kind of ended in like a, and I think it's usually when like a relationship kind of comes about and how, you know, other relationships and romantic relationships, how they come about and what that means for friendships and things like that but then I think it was a couple of years after that maybe I read Bell Hooks Communion the female search for love that and that was her book and in that was one of the first places I ever read about romantic friendships and Bell Hooks talks about the fact that that's why your heart is broken because when it's your romantic friendships you show more of yourself than arguably you'd show to somebody that you were sexually intimate with in a way because there is that element of facade presenting your best self to them but with your friends you show up really really vulnerable most of the time. So when that breaks up, that hits deeply because it's like, I showed them all of me and this happened. Am I a bad person? Am I not worth it? That sort of thing. So people, but because of the way that society creates a hierarchy as to which relationships are important, people don't tend to talk about the friendship breaks up so much. Bell Hooks said, you better talk about it and you better start recognizing that they are just as important, if not more important than our quote unquote, like romantic, intimate relationships. I'd be devastated now if if my friendship like with this one friend just disappeared into nothing. I would be absolutely devastated to be honest. Like I would be mourning it proper. Yeah. What about if I went? Sorry. <laughs> sorry to make it. <laughs> You'd be like, what about you? me? Do you always gotta do that? I'd be like, oh, what about me? I get I fear I fear that. I fear all types of breakups to be fair. Yeah, they're scary. It's necessary and you know, good comes out of it sometimes. And the reason why I asked you about if it was like a transition period, I just know that, you know, sometimes your friends would be put at school and your friends in college. And I don't know, sometimes I've gone on like a workshop for a day and you make a really good friend. You're like, yeah, it's sick. And then you're like, it's good for now, but you know, we keep moving and whatever, but it is just as important. What's the best way to get over a friendship that's broken down? I was going to say, I don't think that there's any right or wrong way. I think there's the way that you choose that, that works for you. I, for years had to, when it was that friendship, I had to kind of be like, well, she's always choosing boyfriends over whenever she sees a guy, she's just always choosing them over me and da, 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 da. And then, you know, we go, what, eight years down the line, nine years down the line, and I'm playing it back. And I'm like, mm, you know, when I look at it, what was I experiencing and what was her, you know, wanting to kind of do her own thing? What did that bring up in me? You know, so I think that there are lessons that you learn or that you implement way after the fact. But there are certain tools that you're going to use at the time to just get yourself through to survive. And then later on, hopefully you start processing the whole thing a lot more deeply. So whatever gets gets you through. That's so interesting what you say that I was thinking about that today. How I was devastated that someone did that to me, like picked guys over me and then how then I went and 
did probably something very similar after, but I totally didn't think that was the case. But looking back on it now, like 10 years later, I'm like, mm, that is what happened. So, and yeah, at the time, sometimes I would get angry in a situation and be like, they're a dickhead, they're a knob. And that's what I'm telling myself. And then 10 years down the line, I'm like, actually, what really happened? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sarita, what are you saying thank you next to? Yeah, I'm saying thank you next to people who think that friendships and romantic relationships uh, aren't on the same level. Thank you next. Thank you next. So we're on to lesson two. One taught me. The most important relationships are the relationships that we have with ourselves. Mm, deep. What makes you say that? Deep, deep. Because everything comes back to you at the same time that nothing is about you. Like I remember reading, I think it was in Perfect Love, Imperfect Relationships. And the author says in that book that you have to be okay with the apology that you never received. And you have to understand that people have an entire universe happening within them to think that somehow what you have done or whatever they do is in some way inferring something about you is uh self-indulgent at best. While some people, their actions might be triggered by something that you do, ultimately how they're processing it is how they are. You have to be okay with that. Like, you know, people treat you the way they treat you, not because of who you are, because of who they are. And by that virtue, the way that we treat people is not because of who they are, it's because of who we are. So we might experience the same thing. But how I react to it is going to be might be different to how you react to it, even if we kind of see the similarities in that. And we see that play out on social media and things like that. But I think especially just in life, it's just important to kind of remember that you as the individual has to come first. And so shifting my kind of perspective from looking at things happening with people as this is what they're doing to me. I'm sort of looking at it like how is what they're doing? bringing up a reaction within me what is my relationship with the thing that they are doing what does that what what is that setting off within me and then it becomes a whole different journey and I find that I'm not reacting to things as much and when I am reacting I'm reacting from a space of understanding the process that's happening inside of me so the the ultimate relationship that you can foster in this lifetime is the relationship with yourself and then when you interact with other people I think you interact from a more pe present perspective. Do you have like an example where you kind of like shifted the perspective that you wouldn't mind sharing? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I can get, I, for me, I think everybody can relate to social media, right? And trolls. Before somebody would write something, I'll tweet something at me. I think that what I've tweeted makes absolute sense, like absolute sense, very straightforward, very clear cut. Then they tweet something in response and I'm like, how did you get that from what I've just said? And that would really enrage me because I'd be like, you fool. Like, how did you interpret that? But rather than just focusing on them being a fool, I'd be like, did I not explain it properly? What's wrong with me? Why, you know, and I'd start ruminating on it through the kind of years, the last two years specifically, I've now started to look at those interactions as, first of all, most times people who are doing that are doing it off a burner account. So you've already told me that there's something about this opinion of yours or presenting yourself to the world that you do not want to do. So already I've realized that there's an element of shame and fear to how you are interacting with the world. So that fear and shame means that naturally you're going to project that onto somebody else, regardless of what they're saying, you're going to try and find a way to project that onto somebody else. And I have no space for that fear or shame. I don't need it because I'm already working through my fear and shame. So I give it back like I don't want it. So I just don't interact with it. So a lot of things now that I see, I just, if it don't apply, let it fly. Oh, I love and you can that. only say it doesn't, <laughs> you can only know that it doesn't apply if you've been doing the work on yourself. Yeah. There's so many times where I've had to do that with myself, like, you know, switch the perspective. Go on, Raj, sorry. It's really interesting because I think when people say, oh, I need to work on myself or you need to work on yourself, they, I think no one really, this is such a generalization, but people don't really look at it in depth, like how you've just described it. And yeah, if someone wanted to do that, how would you, mm. what advice would you give them? Like, where should they start? Are there any books they should read, podcasts they should listen to? Thank Ooh. you, next. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, next. <laughs> um, yeah, I've done a lot of that kind of work and I've shared a lot of that work uh, that I've been doing on myself on my podcast. And I've talked about the fact that I always refer to myself as a dickhead in recovery. I don't have the answers. I'm just sharing what I'm learning along the way. And um, that means I, I'm not 
ever looking towards the day that I'm no longer a dickhead, but I'm just looking at how I can be less of a dickhead. Um, and yeah. that manifest. That's how I feel. <laughs> yeah. I feel that way. <laughs> I love no. that. It's a really healthy way of looking at it because I feel like sometimes when people are doing this, because I've been through this, my mates have been through this, my other mate does this a lot. She's like, I'm healed. It's done. I'm finished. And then something else will happen. Yeah. Like her ex will get back in touch. And then she's literally off the rails. And I'm like, you are not healed. You are not yeah. healed. Like <laughs> it's always it's always a test though, isn't it? Like the things are always coming not not a test, but you know, whatever. Things are always gonna happen and I don't think it ever ends. It's that thing of the work actually never ends. There's always something to keep working on. Yeah, I think if you're if you're viewing it from that place of like, I just wanna be less of a dickhead and that's a constant thing that I'm gonna try to aspire to do. That's really healthy. And I think, yeah, I wish loads of people did that because then wouldn't we all just have healthier relationships all around? Like, I mean, it requires people to acknowledge that they're being dickheads, which is self-aware, yeah. half the struggle. Yeah, definitely. I have to ask now, what makes you think you're a dickhead? Just because I know myself, like I know myself and I, this is why I'm always saying that, you know, I'm a kind person, but I'm not a nice person because niceness, as we know, is like weaponized against women and femmes specifically. We know that. So I'm not nice. I'm kind because I know that I want to do everything from a loving space. But if the spirit hasn't caught me that day, then whew, I feel sorry for anyone who crosses my path. And because I know that of myself, that is something I just stay working on and I just let it be what you said, Hardeep, about tests and things like that. Mariam Hassana is a great person to follow on social media. She has like these really great quotes and she defines herself, I think, as a healer. And one of the quotes that I remember from her is that the universe is never testing you. The universe only gives you opportunities to show up in the world as who you said you are. That's literally it. Like if I said that I'm a dickhead in recovery, I'm going to be given opportunities to move further and further away from that socialized dickheaded behavior. That was beautiful. Do you, oh man, I, you know what? I'm going to, I need to listen to you more. No, because when something happens, like, okay, I think sometimes I can get into what Raj is saying, like with her friend, you think, oh yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Not I'm recovered, but it's all good right now. And then something happens and then it's like how you react in that situation or how you behave and you're like, oh, I could have done it better. So what are you saying thank you next to? I'm saying thank you next to believing that you are not the most important relationship in your own life. Next! If anyone's listening, they're confused. Kalechi left us because she had to go. But we're still moving with Sarita, so... I'm still here. Don't leave us. Don't leave <laughs> us, people. Okay, cool. So one taught me... Trust your gut in relationships. Oh, uh, yeah. Do you think I'm a good singer? You do, don't you? I know you do. I think uh, you've got you've got room to to work on it. Wow! <laughs> Tell us about this lesson. So I think it's it's really only a lesson you can learn in hindsight, but it's worth trying to bear in mind when you're in a relationship, particularly in like starting out in a romantic relationship. Because I definitely, I mean, maybe it was youth to a certain extent, but. I've definitely been in relationship situations where I've thought that it was going to be something super significant or um, that the way they're behaving is sort of personal, I guess, in the way like we've been talking about. But but deep down knowing like, yeah, no, this isn't really the person for you or this isn't the way you should be treated or this person's actually a dick or whatever. Yeah, it's just about being honest with yourself and not just accepting the idea that, oh, but I'm in a relationship and like, this is what everyone's, you know, striving towards. So I should just be happy that I've got someone who's like shown an interest in me. But really trust your gut and like ask yourself, is this really a person I should be wasting my time with? I definitely get carried away and think everyone's one. Yeah. Everyone's guilty of that, but you're right. There are those moments where your gut's like, mm -mm -mm, be a little bit careful. But it's up to you how loud or how low you want the volume of your gut to be on. And sometimes you can just ignore that. And I've done that loads of times. I did that in my previous one where I just ignored it. And I knew I shouldn't have been taking the next step in that relationship, but I still took the next step in that relationship. Yeah, I want to know what was the last time where your gut was trying to tell you something and you were like, Nope. I mean, it was a long time ago now, yeah. luckily. But I do just sometimes think back. I do um, remember thinking at the time that it seemed so important and significant and that I should just accept any kind of behaviour because I just wanted to be in a relationship. Whereas obviously the minute you gain some perspective, 
once that had ended, I was like, oh, why were you wasting your time? Like you knew deep down that this wasn't the right person for you. So I think it's just about acknowledging that. And if you can acknowledge it at the time, because I feel like we're kind of conditioned to just accept certain types of behavior just because we feel like, oh, well, you know, you take the rough with the smooth in a relationship or whatever. And I'm not even talking about abusive type of relationships, but just where you know deep down this isn't the right person for you, their behavior doesn't click with yours or whatever, but you just kind of go with it. Yeah. Do you think that's a female thing? That's a female thing that we're kind of like, oh, it's a phase or it's going to change. This isn't who he really is right now. Yeah, I I think it might be to an extent to do with being a woman and sort of feeling that we have to accept certain things we just don't yeah it's weird I feel like we feel like we have to make it work rather than it being Mm -hmm. put on the man like we're like oh we have to make it work and I also think it's a cultural thing and I don't know if it's because it is like a brown and a black thing like Mm -hmm. there is this thing in both communities where we're taught from a young age that it's us that has to sacrifice stuff in the relationships and that like if the man makes mistakes, he's okay to make this because he's gonna, he's a man, he's gonna make mistakes, but we don't make mistakes. Like, yeah. And that's a really tough thing to sort of come away from, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's about sort of like where, where your own personal boundaries can be and like to what extent you might feel comfortable really acknowledging that like despite all of those things, even despite cultural things, it's not working for you. Life's too short. You know? Yeah. What you said about perspective is really important. I think I was saying to Raj earlier, I used to date this guy and I knew it was completely wrong, but I used to spend like a Sunday, sometime every now and then at my nan's house, or turn my phone off, go there, chill, just relax. And all day there, I'd have such a great time. And then on the way back, I was like, you should end it. You know it's shit. And then I just still wouldn't. And I'd stay in the cycle for like, I stayed in it for like a year. Yeah, the thing all you said about perspective there is like key, being honest with yourself about the significance of a relationship because like, why do we think it's that deep every, why do we think like this is life or death? Why does that, how does it take over? I don't know, but it hits me all the time. Sometimes I'm like, I do think it's like life or death. Something takes over me. I mean, we all want to feel loved and we all want to feel important, you know, to one person in particular, like, We want that feeling that, oh, this person can't live without me and I can't live without them. It's something that everyone kind of craves, but you need to just be honest about whether that's just like something your brain's constructed or whether it's like a genuine love, feeling, connection. I think it's about realising like what place you're coming from. Because if you're coming from that place of just wanting to be loved, you will literally accept anything. Yeah, exactly. Which I think I've definitely, I have definitely done that. Oh my God. Ew. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) We live and we learn. Yeah. Definitely. And I think trusting your gut is something that you could do in any situation, whether it's at work or even in a friendship or with a family situation, et cetera, et cetera. Like everything we try and cover on this podcast. So there have been times where I've just like, my gut has always been like, leave this job, leave this job. But like looking at it, Mm, looking at it from the outside, it's like, this is a great job. I'm meeting all these people in my job and this is a great company. And oh, I know these people, they're like my family, but why would I leave? But you know, Mm. you gotta, you gotta listen to those signs. Cause I just think, yeah, if I didn't do those things, I would have been in such an uncomfortable situation to this day. Like definitely been there. I wouldn't have been moving forward in my career. Yeah. You know, you just think this is good. This is shiny. This is I know everything here. No, but you're not progressing. You're not learning. You're not moving forward. They're not going to let you take the yeah. next step up. What are you doing then? But yeah, so I think, yeah, trusting your gut is definitely... Th- how do you think you can do that? How do you think you can listen to your gut more? Like, Because I think it's, it is about spending time with yourself. Like Hardeep just said, you went to your nans and you were like, yeah, yeah I felt like really happy. And I think if something doesn't feel right to you, maybe like if it comes up more than say three times, just in your quiet time, in your own alone time, you think mm, this isn't working. That's the time to really act on it. Do something about it. Don't just let it fester because it's just not healthy, you know. And it doesn't go away. I think there's a lot of times where I've thought, oh, yeah, if I just carry on, carry on in Mm. this, it will just go away. Uh, And no, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want that. Definitely not. So what are you saying thank you next to? I'm saying thank you next to not trusting your gut in relationships. We love that. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Everyone go and cop who's loving you. And Sarita, what else have you got coming up? I mean, I'm working on my next novel. Ooh. 
which is going to be, ma- I mean, it will still have romance, but I think it's going to be a little bit different. But yeah, I'm just mainly glad that this collection is finally out in the world. It's been a real labour of love for me. So, <laughs> labour of love. Um, so yeah, I'm just really excited for people to read it. I'm so glad you made it, man. Yeah. And do you think you're going to do another one? Oh, I haven't really thought about that. It might that. be something you do regularly. I don't know. Maybe if more people want to write romantic short stories, that would be cool. Yeah. How are we getting them into schools? I want to know. Mm, I don't know. But it would be nice. I mean, I think that is so important for young young kids from Black and Asian, other minority backgrounds to see themselves in love stories. It is great that you've actually been like, there's a massive gap here and people don't see themselves in these stories and stuff like that. I was talking to Hardy about this before, actually. Hardy, weren't you saying that yeah. you thought that you didn't deserve love because you didn't see it? I mean, genuinely, I, d- I think I felt the same. Yeah. So make sure you buy it. Yeah, make sure listener. you buy it. Where can people find it? All good bookshops. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to Thank You Next. Make sure you share this episode with somebody who loves romance, which is probably you because you listen to this podcast. Uh, Romance, uh, romantic fiction, erotic novels, all of that. Basically share it with me and your friends. Someone who wants to see themselves represented and someone who just needs to hear a few of the, the lessons that we had today. I wanted to mention, actually, I said to you before, the only time I had seen myself represented, I kind of felt was Jane the Virgin. I felt I represented there for the first time. Yeah, I mean, I could relate to it in a in a certain way, but at the same time, like I actually feel like I have never felt seen on TV. And not even in Bendit Like Beckham, you said, which was filmed in your area. I hate it when brown girls are like, yeah, man, I saw myself settled on screen in Bendit Like Beckham. It's like, all right, cool, are you a footballer? All right, are you... Okay, do you know the offside rule? All right, then. I don't. No, I don't either, but, um, I mean, that's cool if you feel like Bend It Like Beckham, but I live in Southall where this film was set and I still didn't feel like it represented me. But I was just saying to Hardeep, actually, that the one time that I did feel, like, a little bit of excitement in my heart was a couple of months ago when I was watching Noel on Disney+. Plus. keep plugging this bloody film. Oh, the Christmas film! The Christmas film with Anna Kendrick in it, and... There's a scene in it where there's a little brown kid sitting on Santa's lap and the whole thing about Santa, the mythology in this movie, is that Santa can understand every language. Oh, wow. So he's sitting on Santa's lap and Santa, he's explaining to Santa what he wants for Christmas and he's saying it in Punjabi and he's just like... And all this shit, yeah? Oh, wow. That just means, hi, I want my brother, Buldev, to come and spend Christmas with me. That's so sweet. It was so sweet. And it was literally like a couple of sentences of Punjabi. And I I wanted to cry. And you felt seen I was by like, a child. Oh, my God. This kid is speaking Punjabi. This Disney movie has Punjabi in it. Like, when does that ever happen? But yeah, I just think it's mad, isn't it? That like... From 1984 to 2021, that's the one time where I've sort of been like, oh, I feel seen. I felt seen by the guys, the Sings, that used to go to my new football matches. <laughs> Shut up. What? what and they were I'm like, glory, glory, man, you're not dead. Glory, glory, man, you're not dead. Man, you're not dead. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss another episode of the podcast. You can do that very easily, by the way, on Acast, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you need to subscribe because, honey, we're going to be back in two weeks. We're just taking a little bit of time off to fill up our cup, spend time with ourselves, trust our gut. You know, all of that. All of that shit. Uh, you know, read this. Read, read my star signs. I'm going to get Hardy to sign up to CoStar and I'm going to learn no, about her 12 houses and uh. see how compatible we are as friends. But I've got to say, anyway, in general, since I've met you, and I don't know if I have a lot of, I don't know if I have a lot of Pisces friends, but Rihanna is my imaginary friend and she is a Pisces. Since I've met you, I've seen all this stuff about Taurus and Pisces compatibility and we're highly compatible. So I'm just like, oh, that's great. Are we? Yeah. As friends or as lovers? As friends. I guess we're probably compatible as lovers, but you know, you ain't got a dick, so I'm not going to go there. That's really offensive. But anyway, whatever it did. Okay. So yeah, we'll be back in two weeks. Me and Raj are taking a little break. and We'll still be on socials. You can still DM us, basically. 
oh yeah and that's what we really want because we're going to be planning some of our next shows and we would love to get you involved tell us everything you know do you feel seen yeah do you and what tell us walk one what do you think man give us some feedback have you met your twin flame yeah have you met part of your soul family Mm. have you experienced love at first sight have you had a friendship breakup what was it like tell us all about it and I mean, obviously, if anything you see, read or hear makes you want to say thank you next, we want to know about that. Yes, you can leave us a voice note because we'd love to hear your voice. It's hi, thank you next podcast at gmail.com or you can DM us on socials. We are at thank you next pod on Insta, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. So yeah, hit us up, dudes, because we want to hear from you. Hardy, do you support Manchester United? I don't know, but all Indians do and I'm Indian, so there you go. But, okay, so how did you feel seen when you saw the Sings at Man United matches? Because they were wearing turbans and my the people in my family wear turbans. Oh. No? Did you not feel seen by them? Do you not, like, yes, there are brown people on TV? Because it never happens. Um... I can't believe you've come back to this again. Like, why do you care? <laughs> Because I asked you, I asked you a while ago, like what football team you support. You didn't answer. So now that you're saying it, I'm like, oh, okay, is she gonna? I don't know. I don't support any football team. Okay. Why did you ask me? When did you ask me that? What? Why did you ask? I've been following football this lockdown, so I'm following Man United quite a lot. Why this lockdown? Because I'm bored, and I see it trending every time when I'm on Twitter. So I'm like, oh, as long as Liverpool aren't winning, I'm good. Okay. Well, we're not getting. This is not the place. Sorry, I'm gonna cut you off there. This is not allowed on my on my podcast. (laughs) No way. On my podcast, mate. On my podcast, no way. We're not talking about football. Anyway, see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks. Check out our socials. Oh, thank you, next pod. No, yep, yep. Bye. Bye, love you. <laughs> Thanks, but uh... next. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.